I guess we should get rolling because I've got a, I got a thing. Rolling, 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 rolling. You would you have to go to the dermatologist? I gotta get it. Yeah, I gotta get it removed. It's mm. weird. It's like a mole that looks like Bill. Is that my face? <laughs> going, hey, it interrupts you everywhere when you try to talk. <laughs> Only when I'm in the back. <laughs> That's all it does. <laughs> I'd like to order. I'm sorry, sir. I couldn't hear your order. I'd like to get a large. God damn it, Bill. You gotta cover the mole up on your neck. Interrupting mole. Oh, damn it. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You start fleet officers! Now start acting like it! Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Hello and welcome to Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. As we continue our soon... Well, not soon. We still have time. There's time. We are, we are now cruising through the middle of the sixth season... We still there. We still have plenty of episodes left. Don't go away. Come back. Come back. Bill is going to make espresso. Exactly. And as there, you heard uh, What's one of them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you heard whoever the hell that, that guy. was. And there's, there's, Paul, the, uh, and, Bill. And that, that guy's that, that guy's here as well. So that's nice, I guess. That guy over there is Andy, and yeah. somewhere out there, hello, Dave. Oh, sorry. Are we, are we starting somewhere the episode? Yes. Out there. Yes, because this is where one person talks and everybody interrupts them. What? Normally, you're the one interrupting, though. Yeah, I can't like interrupt myself. Though, Somehow you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you manage. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? We didn't ta- talk about two episodes ago when Dave wasn't here when he played the part of the silent girl in, um... <laughs> so what you're saying is he was here? He was, yes. He was yes. here the whole episode. He was just being quiet in the corner. Right. In statistics. Nobody puts Davey in the corner. Both of those episodes oh, got a two, by the way. No, no, they no. were good. Oh, well, because Dave wasn't here, yeah. Dave was here, I just couldn't talk. I sounded like... Yeah. I want to... Like, oh, when yeah. I get a so cold, Dave I was crying out, like, but he couldn't give his yeah. score. I wish when I got a cold, it sounded like Liam Neeson's or something like that. And so That's I a very like, particular set of skills. Yeah, I sound like Harvey Firestein. Hello, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very particular set of skills. Yeah. Oh, I want to see the movie where we replace Liam Neeson and take him with Harvey Firestein. <laughs> I don't know where, I don't know when, but I'm going to find you and I'm going to kill you. Don't defy the council again, master. (laughs) I will take the boy and train him as my own. (laughs) Yeah, that'll that'll go well. There's always a bigger fish. Oh, you've made all the veins in my neck hurt. Oh. Yeah. 
<laughs> you, got Andy, you got Andy laughing so much he's he's talking uh, Londinium now. All the things in me neck. There's always a big I couldn't think of any other lines. Oh, genius! Really? Yeah, really. This is Bill you're talking about. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a very understated kind of genius. It's that kind of genius where everyone else thinks he's a little bit slow when he's not really. <laughs> I think he's so slow that we're about to lap him, so he's in front of us now. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you guys, you guys are like, you're just going to say on your left and just keep running by me. <laughs> well, that has a whole new meaning now. Yeah. I, mean, I, ah. I guess we could talk in-game spoilers since it's months after the fact, but this is not an in-game podcast. True, that is true. I don't I think being on your left is necessarily an in-game spoiler. <laughs> and it still makes me take me we cry. <laughs> Finally got his dance. Yep. Oh, Peggy and Cap. Oh. I'm just thinking of uh, you know on your left. Harvey <laughs> <laughs> <Are we> Firestein. <laughs> Who would Harvey oh. Firestein play in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Thanos. It is inevitable. <laughs> oh Lord, it's inevitable. Snap it. Uh, Harvey won. Harvey won. Harvey Harvey What's wrong? Wrong Harvey. <laughs> wrong Steen. Ronstein does the Marvel Universe. There you go. Harvey Weinstein's done everybody else, which is why he's in the trouble he's in. <laughs> Allegedly. 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 I always love when you add that. So Waltz, huh? Waltz, yes. There's the... Uh, Sequel to Duet. Oh. Yay, see? See what they did there? Uh, Clever. Uh, do we have any... Uh, <laughs> we don't have any new Star Trek news. No. But I we have some old Star Trek news. Yeah. Yeah, they've moved a mock time up to be the season premiere, which is a good move because it's a very strong episode. What? I said we had old Star Trek news. That's old Star Trek news. Have, oh. they, announced, have they announced when season two is going to start? Uh, September, I think. September 1967. Can't remember the exact date. Yeah, you actually threw me on that. I'm like, what? There's going to be a new character in it. Everyone's going to hate him because we all hate new characters. Why? Because he's Russian? Was he going to really fast? No, I, it, it's it's going to really be cool because he take he's a uh, clone of Davy Jones from the Monkees, and everybody loves the Monkees. Mm, very good, excellent. Mm. Does he sing? No, but I understand he does it in the original Russian. Because <laughs> Da is a believer. Because he and he's drinking <laughs> vodka. Did I saw her face? No, I'm a believer. <laughs> yeah, but you're singing in the sexy Russian. You know the stress of that in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know who who has de- decided that that's sexy. <laughs> Maybe that's just than, about me. Other than I'm know. hoping Angela, but other yeah. than that, I don't want anybody to think that. I I I I I am not your stepping stone. <laughs> <laughs> Take the last train to Clarksville. I will meet you at the station. Uh, when they, when the they last... become German. I'll take the last train to Vladivostok, and I'll meet you at the station. It was invented by a little old lady from Leningrad. No, so no, guys, no. I guess you guys didn't like this episode. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. Again, we're, we're just we're just goofing off. Yes. Oh, if we all right. if we all live near each other, we would be getting drunk right about now. No, no, it would be no. a few hours. Yeah, just for principle. It's just a little early here. I'm ignoring the time difference. Oh, plus, okay. we're all plus over place. here, over here, as as I was reminded this week uh, from the posting, you have to be 21 to drink. <laughs> what a shit country! Oh, God, 21. How'd you go through life? <laughs> oh, but when I when I was 18, that was the legal drinking age here. Oh, okay. 
Well, they also Anywho. wrote pterodactyls to work when you were 18. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, we rode brontosaurus. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, he just stuck his feet through the floor and just pedaled <laughs> real fast and got his car up to speed. So Bill's Bill Bill, sorry. So Paul's the Flintstones. Is that what you say? <laughs> that was the implication. Yeah. Paul, Paul is Fred Flintstone. Well, if you've seen my feet, they do look similar to what you see in the cartoon. So does that make Bill Barney Ripple? <laughs> oh, God, I'm laughing like Barney Ripple. <laughs> hey, Fred. Hey, Fred. <laughs> and, now I, and now I want a recreation of the opening credits with you as Fred and Bill as Barney Ripple. I want to see Paul bowl. So he goes on a little twinkle test. <laughs> Not only do I do that, but it makes that sound when I do. <clears throat> Spataro, he's Spataro. He's the modern Stone Age family from the town of New York. He's a place where the town of East Meadow. Shh. All the listeners are going to start looking for my house now. We're going to find him. We're going to go to satellite. <laughs> hey, that was me, okay? That was one. T- I didn't- <laughs> you should have seen his face. Because I, I did satellite imagery of Paul's uh, house when we were getting ready to go to New York, so I kind of knew the lay of the land. We were sitting around the back, like, like, didn't there used to be a pool here? He's like, yeah, and then he stops. Like, how'd you know that? Our local cinema showing Tim Burton's Batman. Okay, all right. Back to the episode. <laughs> I got to put my foot down, like Paul, when he's driving. When I'm trying to, when I'm braking. <laughs> he's trying to stop, so... Walt. A criminal of war. I tried to save lives. His arch enemy. You really want to do this? Here. Now? Who will survive on the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine? Nemesis! Don't make me hurt you. Maybe I need a Snickers bar. I was picturing Harvey Firestein saying that. Don't make me hurt you. <laughs> Nemesis! <laughs> Great. Everything, now everything's I can't do a deep voice ever again because you guys will just mock me. We mock you anyway. Yeah, that's true. Who, who am I kidding? It's just, I'm, I'm mocked by a long line of mockers. Mother mockers. Anyway, Waltz is the 11th episode of Season 6 of Deep Space Nine. This was directed by Rene Abergenois, written by Ronald D. Moore, featuring music by Paul... Oh, my God. Belageron. Belageron. See, I had to sing it. That way I didn't stutter it. I'm like Mel Tillis in that way. Anyway, original air date. What? What's that song they play in Ferris Bueller's Day Off at the end? Is it like, oh, yeah, or something like that? Yeah, because I always think of that with Rene Abachois. This came out January 8th, 1998. I don't know where I was at. Anybody else know where you were at? You were watching this. Probably changing a diaper. Yeah, ditto. Now got a clay. I was getting in a fight with my girlfriend. Probably changing a diaper, yeah. Yeah, I mean, 99... You were getting in a fight? With my girlfriend, yeah. I mean, not, not a physical oh. fight. Now, we weren't, you know, Rocky and Apollo Creed. You were being it. physically abusive to a young girl. No, no, no. I, no. I told you to get in the car. I don't know why you don't get in the car when I tell you to get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I, think of, I think of Eric Roberts in... Uh... In, in Povacrane's Village, you tell them to go out and you don't say goodbye to anyone. That's how you keep them humble. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Our plot Nemesis. Goes, like, goes like this. The USS... <laughs> the USS... Nemesis is planet forgiven. <laughs> forgiven? It's forbidden. Oh, yeah, that as well. 
The USS Honshu. Yay! Hey. <laughs> he did it, everyone. I lost 15 bucks on that one. That's cool. Is transporting former Cardassian leader Gul Dukat to a hearing on his war crimes. Cisco, who is scheduled to testify, is also aboard and visits Dukat in the ship's brig. Dukat, who has been under treatment following a nervous breakdown over the death of his daughter, Zial, assures Cisco that he has recovered. Suddenly, suddenly, the ship is in motion. It comes under attack by Cardassian warships. Cisco awakens in a cave, seriously injured, to find that Dukat has managed to get him to a shuttlecraft and escape to a nearby planet, where he tended to Cisco's wounds. Dukat informs him that the shuttle is inoperable, but he is sending out a distress signal. Yes, the first paragraph. No mistakes. Wait for ah. it. If only you haven't <laughs> blown it by interrupting yourself, like you said you don't do. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't mess up a word. That's all I care about. Unbeknownst to Cisco, Ducat is having hallucinary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, who had 45 seconds? <laughs> what do I win? <laughs> you get Bill can stay at your house. Oh, I don't mind that. Uh, hallucinatory conversations with Wei Yun, who teases him about his mental breakdown. Breakdown. I got that right. Then Damar, who advises him to kill Cisco. Ducat reveals that he intends to. After Cisco shows him the respect he deserves, while Ducat talks to with his colleagues, Cisco discovers that the communication system is in fact not sending out a signal. When Ducat returns, Cisco tests him by asking him to check the system. He does, and he tells Cisco the unit's working fine. Meanwhile, Worf searches for Cisco in the Defiant. <laughs> well, you're not going to find him in the Defiant, dummy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Cisco! Cisco! He does not see Cisco! Marco! Cisco! Marco Cisco, a new game coming this summer. <laughs> but it has limited time before he must leave to rendezvous with a convoy of Federation ships. Cisco yeah, repairs. Big convoy rocking through the night. And Chris Christopherson shows up too. And, and, and Ellie McGraw. Mm -hmm. They're chased by Ernest Borgnine. Just a rubber duck. You got a rubber duck. I can't remember the rest of it. Anyway, Cisco repairs the communication system while Ducat is away. The Cisco will play. Then plays along as Ducat defends his treatment of the Bajorans. However, when a hallucination of Kira ooh, almost stumbled on Hallucin that. It was a hallucination? <laughs> it, was, it was like radiation. Hallucination of Kira taunts him. He becomes angry. Wanting a Snickers bar. Firing, firing wildly <laughs> the vision with his phaser. Ducat then discovers the distress signal has been repaired and destroys it. Then attacks the defenseless Cisco for his betrayal. On the Defiant, Worf is still looking for Cisco and is running out of time. <laughs> Cisco! Cisco! And must leave to escort the convoy. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ducat continues to push Cisco for his approval. Bruised and battered after Ducat's attack, Cisco presses him to talk about the Bajorans. Ducat continues to insist that his benevolence and goodwill towards Bajor. But Cisco argues against him, berating him for his hypocrisy and self-deception. Finally, Ducat is forced to admit his hatred of the Bajorans. They didn't like me! Oh. <laughs> Angrily. <laughs> <laughs> the Cardassian horror picture show. <laughs> I thought he liked you. <laughs> He ever liked me! <laughs> <laughs> he 
angrily declaring that he should have killed every last one while Ducat is ranting Cisco knocks the shit out of him and, and manages to make his way to the shuttle, discovering it to be intact. Ducat recovers and follows Cisco to the shuttle and overpowers him. But when Cisco challenges Ducat to kill him, Ducat instead leaves him behind, buried alive, and takes off in the shuttle, vowing to destroy Bajor. The Defiant crew then picks up a signal. Really, the cat is using the bathroom while I'm trying to speak. I don't believe this. I just, I'm impressed that it's using the bathroom. Most cats just use a litter box. <laughs> anyway. Does he flush? No, he's using his bathroom. I guess does, I'm living in the cat's toilet. Does he put the toilet. seat back down afterwards? I wish I could train him to do that. The Defiant crew then... <laughs> People wish they could train me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you come to my house, it's such a mess when you leave. The Defiant crew then picks up a signal from Ducat, leading them to Cisco. Ducat, however, escapes, leaving Cisco vowing to defeat him and protect Bajor at all costs. End scene. Now I will reread that as Harvey Firestein. The USS Hanshu is transporting former Cardassian leader Galdacott. Oh, sorry. You know, for a horrible minute, I thought you were actually going to do all of that like that. <laughs> oh, come on. I know, I know when to not push a joke too far. No, you don't. Hey, right here. <laughs> Words hurt, Andy. Sticks and stones. Anyway, Waltz. That's true. Christopher Waltz. He won Best Supporting Actress. Actor. Did he, did he won Best Supporting Actress. Wow, he really is good. He is good. <laughs> I never knew. He, he was not a good Ernst Averill Blofeld, though. No, he was <laughs> not. Yeah. But not that's Waltz. This Waltz. Oh. Mm. Oh, Ducat. Yeah. So, oh. <laughs> you know, you, you kind of feel sorry for him, but then... No, no, you don't. No, that's where the, this episode at, at came the, from. At the beginning... I don't feel sorry for him at all. He's a Nazi. He's... He, you remember when the same part was played by Kathy Bates with James Conn? <laughs> yeah, but now he's out of the closet. He's out there. Hey, I hate. I actually hated him all along. He's finally, he's, uh, he's his true colors shining through. Mm. I mean, on the one hand, it's another one of those two headers that Star Trek does so well. Put two people in a confined space, two really great actors, give them some great dialogue, and let them fight it out for who can chew, chew the most scenery. And both Avery Brooch and Mark Alamo are absolutely fantastic. Uh, every scene with Alamo is great. He's absolutely wonderful in this episode. My mm -hmm. issue with it is nothing to do with the episode itself, which I don't know how much then I should take issue with it. But it's the first time that Star Trek, or anything really, responded to online criticism of a show. Ron Moore, who wrote this one, was an early adopter of technology. And back in the AOL days and bulletin boards, he noticed that an awful lot of the viewers were siding with Ducat. You know, probably the same kind of people who side with Thanos. And there's a difference between understanding and relating to the antagonist's <clears throat> motives and thinking that they are right. Right. You can have empathy, but maybe not sympathy. Maybe. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. So Ducat has never been the good guy. And I think if some members of the audience were seeing him as the good guy, then maybe that member of the audience needs to actually look at their own particular set of values. Mm-hmm. Because he was never presented as a good guy. No, so it was, they were writing a compelling and nuanced antagonist who was then being acted by a compelling actor 
it's not their fault that certain members of the audience were then going, well, I see his point of view. If you see his point of view and agree with it, the problem's with you, not the show. And I didn't really feel that the show needed to spell it out that he was the bad guy. I didn't. I don't mm. think they needed to spell it out either. I agree with you. I think previously... I think you hit it on the nose. If people were viewing him as the good guy or as somebody with good motivations, then it was a weakness on the part of the viewer, not the show. Mm. The show tried to present him over the last six seasons as somebody who you could understand his motivations, not somebody who you would sympathize with his motivations. Yeah. You know, They tried to present him as somewhat believable, so they didn't put him over the top. And in this episode, and I think we'll talk about this as we go on, he was over the top by the end of it because they had to make sure, hey, let me hit you over the head with this so you know he's not a good guy. Mm. And he but, never was a good guy. He was no. in charge of an occupation of a planet. His ego is such that he wants to be adored. He wants to be loved and liked. He's one of those politicians who's stabbing you in the back with one hand whilst he's shaking your hand with the other and saying, I will do everything I can for you. But there was never any doubt he hated Bajor and the Bajorans. They didn't need to write it out. I thought that was the definition of a politician. Well, a particular kind of politician. So that's what Ducat has been all the way through it. And I think that's why he's resonated as well as he has 20 years after the show's gone off the air. I don't need it spelling out that he's not a good guy. But I agree. But I I think the episode had more to it than just spelling out that he's not a good guy. I think they were hoping for that to be kind of just an extra bonus of it but i think they were exploring also just the extent of his nervous breakdown and and how it affect how it impacted him how he's you know seeing these people who he deems important in his life whether he likes them or not uh you know taunting him uh and and he you know he wants cisco's approval because while he is not a good guy in his mind he's been delusional enough to convince himself that he is well that's mm-hmm. what i liked about it is i don't know that it spelled out he was a bad guy it kind of gave some a few shades of gray in there that he had in his mind good intentions like it was not just blustering he really thought he was doing good things well yes. how many times have you have you seen somebody you know tell something and you know, you, you, when you when you step back and you think about it, you say, "Boy, they've convinced themselves that this is the truth," mm-hmm. and I think that's what what he did. And basically, you know, Cisco forced him to confront that a little bit. You know, he convinced himself he was benevolent to the Bajorans somehow. That he, you know, he did what he had to do to benefit Cardassia, but also took care of the Bajorans while he did it. Oh, you know, they're my children. I took care of them. That kind of thing. But until Cisco really just kept pressing his buttons, and that combined with his nervous breakdown and the, you know, the the circumstances they were in, finally made him break down and say the truth. Well, Golden Cat is somebody who has layers to him. I mean, he's not a straightforward muscle, twi- you know, twirling villain. And that's well, a- that's that's what I'm arguing. This episode makes him that. Prior to this, he's everything that you're saying he is. He's multi-layered, he's multifaceted, there's lots of different places where we can see and understand why he's doing what he's doing without agreeing with him, because he is essentially the antagonist of the show. I think this makes him a much more simplistic character by having him actually just come out and say, I don't like the Bajorans, I want to be loved. No, but I I I think it's okay because they did it as part of his... 
his nervous breakdown recovery. This isn't something where he just burst into Cisco's office and so, said, "I want to be loved." You so, know? so no, but the, again, we've all, we know that though. That's the point I think that I'm trying to make. We know everything that this episode shows us. I felt that this was Ron Moore trying to point out to those people on the bulletin boards who felt that Ducat was had a point of view and was heroic in his own way. And yes, those pointing people exist out them, still, by the way. Yeah, it was. And I don't the, disagree the, with you on that. So why are we arguing? Well, well my, my point is I think he does it in a way that still presents it as an entertaining episode. Oh, and it, I think, it is. And I don't think he... I get I don't think he fundamentally changes the character. He just has him go through a, you know, a, a rant where he talks about it. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I think he still views himself as benevolent. He just, you know, part of his nervous breakdown, he's freaking out and he's yelling out shit. He thinks he's benevolent even though he's not. It's an incel. Goldicat is an incel who thinks he's owed this love. When it's spurned, he snaps. And this is that moment. And, and he turns into Kathy Bates. <laughs> so his, go on. His, veneer and his pretense are gone Mm -hmm. so we and like you're saying that's that's done from his quote-unquote recovery from his from his breakdown so would you compare andy with how ronald moore handled baltar in battlestar galactica as a as a quote-unquote villain no, because Baltar wasn't a villain in the new Battlestar Galactica. Baltar was manipulated by the Cylons. Mm. And had he come clean at the very beginning, I think he would have had a completely different story out. The problem is, he at that point didn't, and he tried to hide everything that he'd done, even though mm, he wasn't true. really responsible for it, and that led him down the slippery path that he went down. Whereas I think if he'd been open and honest from the very beginning, oh, shit, they got the codes off me, and told them that that pretty blonde, Cylon, he'd have been a completely different person. His actions in covering up his own mistakes led him to where he went. Whereas the call has... Whereas Ducat has deluded himself that he's yes. a good guy. Yeah, Ducat's always done the wrong thing, but from his point of view, he's doing the right thing. Baltar didn't do the wrong thing. Well, he did do the wrong thing, but he was manipulated into it by six. And then it was his own cowardice own, that prevented his him His own from... cowardice and hubris that then took him down the path that he was on. Mm. And I would argue that the writing of Bolter is better than the writing of Ducat from this point, because Bolter really is one of those people who is neither good nor evil. He's just a coward. Mm. Andy, I think you're starting to change my mind on this. <laughs> I think I'm starting <laughs> to leave. The, the other aspect of this thing that, that I find interesting, though, is that despite all in Ducat's delusional mind... He considers Cisco to kind of be his friend <laughs> in a weird way. And he's one person who's, who he does respect. And he does desperately he want his respect wants... Or he do, does he want his approval or does he want yes. his acceptance? He wants Cisco's respect and approval. He wants, to, he wants to be the equal of what he views Cisco as or the superior of what oh, he views Cisco yes, as. We, oh. Yeah, no, because you he, know what? he wants what Cisco has, which is the respect of his peers. Well, no, not just that. It, it just kind of hit me. He wants the respect of Cisco being the emissary and yeah. loved by the Bajoran people more than just being respected by his peers. He wants he wants he wants to be in his own way the emissary and loved by the Bajorans. Oh, that's an excellent point because then that adds the layer of Ducat and Cisco in that Ducat is also jealous of him. Yeah, mm-hmm. in his mind, he probably can't understand why he's not the emissary. Mm-hmm. 
even though he quite clearly isn't the emissary from the actions that he takes. He's not the emissary. He's a very naughty boy. He's a very naughty <laughs> boy. But this, this is inadvertently, we are all dancing around the point that I'm making, that this episode spells out that Ducat is evil. It does. Yes, from it does. This point on, but from this point on, he's not as interesting a character because of that. Well, I, I think you kind of ended a story arc, not his total story arc, but you ended a story arc when he had the nervous breakdown after Zial was was killed. Mm. So now you have to kind of recreate him and have him come back, and they do so in a different way. They don't have him be the same as he was. you know. And, and I can accept that, yeah, it's not as good as it was before, but I don't think you could just sweep it under the rug and say he's back and he's exactly the same as he was because then you take away the you know the, the seriousness of what he already went through mm. yes so so then you know then you're saying what we always criticize in comics and sometimes in movies and things is we have to go back to the status quo no i appreciate them not going back to the status quo with ducat i just wonder maybe at this point they shouldn't have used him again or for a while I, I just think they make him a weaker character by spelling out for the people on the bulletin boards that thought he was the hero that he is the villain. See, the I fact that they'd done such a good job with the writing so far that he was subtle and nuanced, even though all of us know that he's the villain. He was too nuanced for simple people. Yeah, he was too nuanced for certain people who felt that this guy was actually had a point. Now, one of the things I like about Ra's al Ghul in the comic books, his goal is admirable. His goal to remake the Earth as um, a paradise where we're not using fossil fuels anymore and to make it a green heaven, that's an admirable goal. But what Razi's doing, he wants to wipe people out so that the Earth can just go back to being a nature reserve. So how he's doing it is wrong. And we know he's wrong. And it's the same with Ducat. Isn't it the same with Thanos? Had the same with Thanos. Yet there are people who, after Endgame, were like, Thanos had a point. Thanos just wiped out 50% of the goddamn galaxy. He's a mass murderer. I don't care that he has a point. He was wrong. And it's the same with Ducat. He's wrong. His delusions, what he wants from it, doesn't come into it. And I think that the writers, by responding to the critics of this, who were taking the writing of this character and making him a hero, which, by the way, just shows how it can easily work just as well in real life, mm-hmm. was wrong. They were wrong to address that in such a simplistic manner. See, I think it's a side effect, though. I don't know. Was that the intent of the episode to, to do that? Yes, the okay. intent of the episode. Ron Moore actually said this was one of the first times he's responded to bulletin board people who felt that Ducat was a hero, and Waltz came about with him addressing that. Okay. He didn't want people to think he was a hero. But like we've just discussed, I think the people that thought he was the hero, well, maybe those people should look at their own moral judgments a yeah, little bit more. That's scary. I mean, that that is the incel ma- ma- you know, mentality. Uh, they, they owe me this. They owe me love. And that, that terrifies me. And that kind of makes sense in that context why Cisco's line came the way it is, is that he is pure mm-hmm. evil. But I think one of the side that kind of ended up being a side effect of what was a tour de force journey into Goldacat's actual thinking. That hmm. he actually said, I came in, I was trying to be nice. I did all these great things for these prisoners. He doesn't use the word. Think about that, though. It's He's trying to help these prisoners, hostages, any other synonym you want to put in there. And they hmm. responded this way. They they didn't love me. And I realized for a second, like, he really, for all this talk, I thought it was just talk. That I treat them like my children. I thought that was PR. No, that's where his head is. 
Yeah, he believes that. Yeah. The actual writing in this show is actually some of the best the show has ever done. Mm-hmm. The actual his actual dialogue when he, when he talks about how when they arrived on Bajor and we were clearly the superior race, mm-hmm. but they wanted to be treated as equals. That everything you need to know is in that line. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that we we really needed that line, and maybe we did. I don't know. Maybe sometimes mm-hmm. the audience does need to have its hand held. So so some of the actual lines are really good and it really does delve into into the cat's mindset and it does work as paul says as part of him trying to work out what's happened to him this this nervous breakdown that he's had i just feel that ultimately what we come out of with it here is a more simplistic version of the character i don't want him to revert to the status quo i don't disagree with that at all i just think that by spelling it out as much as they did here they kind of reduce the character as as he was, I mean, but I, because but Kira has always thought he's pure evil. But I, I think I don't think it changed anything in the grand scheme of things because once you brought him to that development where he had the nervous breakdown, you weren't going to be able to bring him back the same way. If you did bring him back the same way, you're saying the whole nervous breakdown was meaningless. No, 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 I'm not. I, I don't so, want them so, to think about the same way. But my, my point is, I think what you're getting from here, you know, you're looking at it and you're saying we have a diminished villain because of this. And I'm saying to whatever extent he is diminished, and I think we still have some good Ducat moments to come, uh, but what, to whatever extent he is diminished was going to happen whether you had this revelation, and I put that in quotations, at the end or not. He's he's diminished in his complexity. He's so he's more of a simplistic villain. He's not diminished in his in his villainy. It's just with his, um, like I said, him being a complex character. Now he's more out in the open. He's come out. I'm bad. But see, I, but I don't think I'm his really mindset bad. has changed. I don't think making those statements has made him say, oh, now I realize I was being evil and I'm not going to be anymore. Oh, you think he, well, yeah, he's still deluded in his own mind. Yeah, he still no, thinks he's that benevolent person. But he's, I don't think he has any more public pretense that, you know, like the mask is off. He's He's not, you know. Although you would think mm, the mask would have been off when he joined the Dominion, only as to well. Cisco. Oh, that's true. He, he didn't. It's not like this was on TV. No, it's not like it was he, on TV. He, <laughs> yeah, but he actually says in this episode, from this day forward, Bajor is dead. All of Bajor. So he's basically setting his stall out there. It, yes, this conversation only happens with with Captain Cisco, but going forward, there's no more Mister Nice Guy. He is just going to be, you know, burn them all in in ovens. There's no pretense to him anymore that he is a nice guy, which is what Bill was just saying. And I, I think that diminishes him ever so slightly as the central antagonist, which is why I think Louise Fletcher is is the better villain, ultimately. Well, I think in the past, and I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here, Andy. In the past, uh, we've pointed out some weaknesses that we've seen in scripting or in story direction. And we've said it would be better if they did this. So I'm putting you on the spot to say, where do you think, once once they made the decision to have the nervous breakdown and you put him away, other than keeping him on the shelf a little bit longer, what do you think they should have handled differently about reintroducing him to the series? Or do you think they should have just had his character be done at that point? There's a part of me that thinks they should have just been do- done with Ducat at this point. I think he served his purpose in the story. 
And I uh, see without being able to really remember exactly where it goes now. I only have a vague remembrance of what happens to him in the next season. I do feel that. I mean, I I don't really have a problem with him joining with Kai Wynn. I think that's that is certainly something that was intriguing. But I think maybe they should have taken Ducat off off the stage and maybe given Demar and Wayoon more screen time and then maybe only brought Ducat back in season seven and then he could still have had the same character arc he could still have had the same I am no more Mr. Nice Guy but I I think the, I, my problem isn't with the actual episode or the development of the character my problem is I think that by basically putting it in black and white he's the bad guy they diminish him slightly as a villain because Deep Space Nine was never that simplistic See, maybe it's because I'm a little simplistic, but that just didn't bother me. I'm going to mention this now before I forget in like another year when we get to this or when, when, whenever. So it's a little bit of a jump ahead spoiler. So when, so if you don't want to listen, jump ahead about maybe two minutes. So when Ducat will eventually join up with the one, he will look, he'll be altered to look Bajoran. He'll join with the Pa race and is that another way of him trying to become his like Cisco and the emissary? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, he's trying to become the emissary to the Power Rangers. Yeah. See, what one of the things I did like about this that they didn't follow through on was like the 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 Harvey stuff where he's Harvey constantly talking, no, not Harvey Feinstein, <laughs> Harvey the Rabbit, where he's constantly talking to Harvey the Rabbit that isn't there. <laughs> Sorry, now I'm just seeing Harvey Weinstein. Not, not wrong, Harvey. I'm I, I loved all that stuff because what it did was really clever, a really good piece of writing from Ron Moore. <clears throat> Every one of those characters was that character, but from Ducat's skewed perspective. So Kira was even more insubordinate to him, and Demar was even more of a suck-up. And they're people who he wanted the respect of, and they weren't showing him the respect he wanted. Mm. Well, maybe mm-hmm. Demar was. <laughs> Which kind of uh, a little cross pollination with Back to the Bins. Although by the time this comes out, we would have finished this up. Uh, it this just now hit me, Paul. So we have three voices speaking to our villain slash hero. Bring that not Fearscape? sound? Yeah, Fearscape. Hmm. You know, so uh, should have tied it into DS Nine. I too, I, too late now. I just saw it. I just saw it now, and I was like, oh, my God. He had three voices. I don't know if you two guys have been listening to our coverage of Fearscape on mm-hmm. – um, I've not read my, it, though. Ah, so, yeah, that's uh, – Well, yeah, I, just, I just went to Farscape. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, John. I think with, yeah, with, with, with Scorpius in the Hawaiian shirts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think Andy has clarified Cisco's line at the end. The reason I don't like it is that it does spell it out. You're absolutely correct on that. Cisco has been merged with the the prophets, and he's seen things that everything should be a big prism. For him to outright say he's pure evil, it's me or him, that's why it bothered me, but also that it's spelling out specifically, he's the bad guy, to which my response was, yeah, no shit. But he's mm. an interesting bad guy. Your villain is as good, you know, as should be as interesting as your hero, no matter how despicable. I'm the yeah. bad guy. The I still think he is. And I think that's where we, where we divert uh, from each other, because I still think he is, and you think he's much diminished. I, I do. I do think he's diminished in the sense that they've said he's the black hat. We all knew that he was the black hat. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we needed it pointed out to us. But also, I do like the line that Ducat has about Benjamin Sisko, supreme arbiter of right and wrong. We know that that's not what Sisko is. 
Cisco is a lot closer to Ducat than he will admit to being. Yes. Yeah. And we will see that especially in, in The Pale Moonlight, which we've not got to yet. Ooh, I and I that. also think some of that comes into play with the relationship with these two characters as well. Cisco sees some of him in Ducat, whereas Ducat wants to be as respected as Cisco is. It's a fascinating dynamic. Yeah, I like that they're not opposing, you know, opposing sides of the mirror. They, yeah. There's a Venn diagram here. Hmm. Well, even Cisco it, says at some point, isn't it when he's talking to Dax, Dax are talking about shades of gray? Yeah. Yeah, there's everything seems to, so sometimes life's so complicated, nothing is truly good or truly evil. Everything seems to be a shade of gray. So was that Ron Morris trying to say to people, hey, this yeah, is that, what I've been that, talking about? Yeah, and that's it. That's essentially that's my problem with it. And I, that's what I was saying earlier on. Is my problem with it because I know the behind-the-scenes machinations, that if I didn't know that this was Ron Moore deliberately responding to bulletin board posts, would I have a better opinion of this show? Because taken in and of itself, it's really good. And any time you can put Mark Alamo and Avera Brooks in a room together and just let them hammer on each other is going to be really good. And the acting's great throughout. And the dialogue is great throughout. And the only issue I have that this is him responding to people that think he's the good guy by making it as simplistic and black and white as possible. And I don't know that you should respond to internet critics. You should stay true to your story. I think there's also an element of pacing here that they realize that there's only a season and a half left at this point. Hmm. And they want to kind of start ramping things up to get to where they've probably figured out they're going. Yeah. You know, I think early on when, you know, you're talking about in the second or third season, they didn't know exactly where they were going to go. I think, you know, maybe they had a, a, a general roadmap, but not really, you know, wasn't laid out that clearly. And the closer we get to the end, the more it's laid out. So I think now they're saying, OK, we, you know, we want to put Ducat in a position to do the following things. So, you know, I, I do think there's a little setup here, too. Mm -hmm. OK. Well, the other thing that I wanted to get your opinion on was at the very beginning of the episode, Kira says they've only got two ships that they can spur to go and look for Cisco, and one of them's the Defiant. Now, ignoring that Starfleet only has two ships, fine, and one of them has to go and protect 30,000 colonists who are coming through forever. So you've got 48 hours or 57 hours or whatever the hell she says. When they're on the bridge, O'Brien and Dr. Bashir do that whole... Uh, I didn't hear a word she said. And Worf, quite rightly, tells Bashir to f*** off off his bridge. Mm -hmm. Do you think they were right to do that? Because I was just looking no, at that going... No, I thought Bashir said something else, and then it was Dax yeah, Bashir, and... Bashir makes a snide comment. And just And leave. Worf tells him, get up. No, Worf tells him oh, to piss it, off. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Bashir makes a snide comment, and Bashir... And Doctor... Doctor... Captain Worf says, get the off my bridge, which he was absolutely right to do. Yeah. So Dr. what? Worf, MD. Yeah. MD. What O'Brien and Bashir are condoning there is sacrificing potentially the lives of thirty thousand people for one person. That's why they're not in command. Well, yeah, that's very true. Because when O'Brien rescues those two women, he looks upset about it. Which was a good fake out, by the way. Yes, we have it two was. signals, and you think it's fake. yeah. It was, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Worf was. T I think Worf was well better played in this episode than he has been in, in many, yeah. many months. Kira was right to give Worf that order. Worf was right to follow it. Would you say the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the two? Yes, <laughs> I yeah. think. Uh, I think maybe Bashir and uh, and O'Brien were there to give the perspective of the viewer. Well, the viewer's stupid. The, but the viewer is always going to value the characters they know. Mm. 
and say, oh, you got to go rescue the character I know. Ah, I say we just launch some torpedoes and poison the atmosphere of a planet. Oh, wait, oh. never mind. I'm just I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. So, you know, I got two things related to. Uh, um, so uh, I don't know if I caught it. Andy might not have, but uh, Andy, Andy didn't because he's dense. I mean, no. Yeah. Did I say that out loud? Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm very dense. Ducat. Uh, this is really a minor. Well. Okay, so Ducat has a line that says, I'm so glad we had this time together. And as soon as he said that, I started to sing it like Carol Burnett. I'm so glad we had this time together. She used to end her show with that. You guys remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so now I see Ducat as, you know, it's the du- it's the gold Ducat show. I see him pulling on his ear. Harvey <laughs> <laughs> Corman are there. <laughs> They're all dressed as, it, it's the Cardassian, you know, you know, power hour with. Yeah. Uh, we got, uh, guys, we haven't brought it up. We've we haven't seen it in so long. We got a hyperventilation out. Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. What the hell do you want from me? My approval is that what this is all about? You want me to give my permission to cause more suffering and death? Well, if that's what you're after, you might as well pull out that phaser and end this right now because I will never give it to you. Good, good. I like this. No more pretense. No more games. Just you and me and the truth. What do you know about the truth? You bend the truth into what I'm ashamed to shoot you. So when when but. Cisco, speaking of that, I'm glad you said that. When Cisco whacks Goldicat out of the back of the head and makes a run for it, why didn't he grab the phaser? <laughs> yeah, grab the phaser, stun him. <laughs> you know, maybe it's because he was in so much pain. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He the pain his clouded pain. his judgment. Right. Train Starfleet officer my ass. <laughs> I would have taken a, I would have hit him a couple times and then phased him. So you're not getting up from there, man. Screw that. Man, I can't I couldn't get over Marco Lemo's performance in this. It was masterful. Yeah. You know, and I've been I haven't I kinda did a quick glance. I didn't go into depth on his IMDB, but really what I I mean, other than being on certain shows you know, playing the villain of the week on certain shows. Oh, I mean, it says he's show in the eighties. Yeah, it says he's you know, and he was on uh, Total Recall. Recall, but, recall. But what? And I guess he's done a lot on on the stage. But it's like he never really had. I don't want to belittle the man's career because I I'm not fully versed in it. But it seems like I don't really remember him for anything else. And it seems like such a a travesty or a shame that it's like man. Well, Andy Robinson said the same thing, hasn't he? Andy Robinson said he's had this extensive career. He's never been out of work, but mm-hmm. he never had a role on television as good as as, as um, Garrick. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame. Mark Alamo, yeah, he was never out of work until he stopped working in, in the mid-2010s. He was constantly working, but if you look at him, he was bad guy of the week on Quantum Leap, um, bad guy of the week on Cagney and Lacey, and bad guy of the week on the A-Team, and Skirker and Mrs. King, and TJ Hooker, and Fall Guy, and Street Hawk, and Hunter, and Hardcastle and McCormick, so he was never out of work. And you know what's funny about both of those actors is that they're remembered for roles to where you can't really see their their true face. Hmm. Well, Andy Robinson does have Dirty Harry behind him. Well, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, we go to work, at, I mean, in an office or um, something like that. We're never out of work, but we're not exactly hitting it out of the ballpark, so. No, oh, that's true. I did jack all yesterday at work. That must be nice. Mm. Good work if you can get it. Mm. It was only that one day, but, you know. But, yeah, so I suppose in terms of career-wise, you know. If you, he's worked as a working actor and never been unemployed, fair play to it. Yeah. But in terms of meaty roles, yeah, he, he's he's 
unless his role in Hill Street Blues was as meaty as his role in Deep Space Nine, and I don't know because I don't remember him in Hill Street Blues, that's the only other thing just browsing through his IMDb that he did more than like one or two episodes of. Hmm. Good, good times. <laughs> Kill the episode. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He, he did a Rockford Files. <laughs> We've all done the Rockford Files. Everybody does Rockford Files. Yeah. Even if He's you were born, you were doing the Mark, the Rockford Files. Three episodes of Starsky and Hutch. He was in a Six Million Dollar Man. He was in a Bionic Woman. He was in a Wonder Woman. He was in a BJ and the Bow. He was in the Incredible Hulk three or four times. Greatest American Hero, Knight Rider. Like I said, bad guy of the week in every major television show of the 70s and 80s. Yeah, but when you is think he officially him, retired? Yes, he is officially retired. What was the last thing he did? Uh, his last acting credit is an episode of Family Guy in 2010. He's not in the... Uh, is he in the... He's in the upcoming... Um, thing you're going to see, Dave, right? Yeah. In the documentary? Yeah, he's got an interview. Yeah, but th- that doesn't count as an acting gig. That's not an acting gig, gig yeah. Uh, true. But, yeah. but you know, there are people living in large houses in Hollywood who who have written screenplays that have never had a screenplay produced as a movie. Yeah. So Hollywood's a different animal altogether. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, what is it? Um, who was it who once said that I want a job not appearing in Batman movies because yeah. it seems to pay very well? I don't remember who said it, but yeah. Yeah, because uh, Jack Nicholson got paid for every subsequent Batman movie that he wasn't in. Damon, was it Damon Wayans? One of the Marlon, Wayans got Marlon. paid for not... Marlon Wayans got paid for not being Robin, as did Dexter Fletcher. He got paid for not being Robin. Uh, Sean Young got paid for not being in Batman. Um, um, Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams got paid for not being Harvey Dent. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I, I would love a, I'd love a gig like that. I would love a gig like that, yeah. Well, you we- mean... I'd, you don't, I don't have to work, but you're going to pay me a couple of million? Okay. Oh, well, we have the exact opposite. We do this, and we don't get paid for it. That's very true. Oh, yeah. You're really putting the salt in the wounds today, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of paprika, a little bit of garlic. Mmm, delish. <laughs> Chef Bill. <laughs> so I'm curious, do we want to rate this? Yeah, nah, we'll just skip it. Oh. <laughs> well... <sighs> You having a tough time, Bill? This sounds exciting already. <laughs> well, no, we've there's certain you know there's a discussion about the Ron Moore stuff, but then with with the performance of Mark Lamo, I'm I'm gonna go five. I'm gonna go five. Five uh, busted Cisco arm casts. <laughs> My wife said he looked like C3PO without him. <laughs> That's bit. what I thought. I was like, did they just go get a C3PO arm piece and shove it on him? <laughs> Here, put this on. But but just shut it. Paint it red. Make sure, make it act like there's a story there, and yeah. we'll never follow <laughs> yeah. up on it. Maybe you don't recognize me. They did follow up on it. It was in a comic book. They did follow up why yeah, he had a red arm. They, they did follow up on it in a comic. Yeah. Not yeah. in a movie. Not in a movie. No. Do you not think J.J. Abrams is concerned with following up anything he sets up? Are you? Yeah. You don't think that J.J. does that, do you? Touche. Mm. J.J. don't play that game. <laughs> no, he doesn't. So is that you, you went for a five? Five. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh... I really like this. I can't quite go five, though. Uh, I'm going 4.5. Uh, I, th- I thought it was really good. I did not have the insight that Andy had of them trying to address the Internet complaints even back then. I did not realize that. I don't know that it would really bother me to speak of, though. It doesn't bother me at this point. Um, I just thought it was, you know, I thought it was very enjoyable. I, I liked the whole delve into his psyche. Uh it didn't bother me that he came out and said, "Hey, everybody, I'm evil. Look at me." Ooh, uh, you know that 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 was fine. I'm okay with that. And I think it was, you know, it, it reminded me a little bit of the uh, the Jack Nicholson burst in at the end of A Few Good Men. 
you know, he was talking about how, you know, how he did all that evil and then he thought he was just going to get up and go back to his job. You know, I, I just, I, I, I'm okay with all of that. So, uh, 4.5. Uh, yeah. Take away the behind-the-scenes knowledge, and in terms of acting and writing, it's a five-star. I, I still think they just made him... It was very simplistically laid out, so I'm going to go four and a half as well. So for all our debates, we have the same number on it. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying to you. We don't actually disagree that much. No, it's you're just, varying you're just levels. beating me yes, instead of giving like, me your love and respect like you should. <laughs> yes, like like you deserve for treating like, I like deserve. every two weeks. Yeah, I was going to go 4.5. I... I it's it's been going up and down as we've been discussing this, and I think four point five is great is where I'm going to land because Michael Dorn's performance was great. Yeah. Um, everybody on the Defiant was fantastic. There wasn't a bad performance in this episode. They managed to make the whole "we're stranded on an alien planet, and we're we're mortal enemies" thing really work, which is not an easy task anymore. So yeah, I mean, with the exception of just saying at the end, "Well, he's evil, and that's it," and, and I kind of agree with you, Andy. I will stick with four point five. Oh yeah, we had a whole enemy mind thing going on here. Yep. Well, that's and that and that's one of the things I liked about it is I thought it was going to be an enemy mind episode. That by the end they were working together. They were going to have a kid. Oh my and, god. Well, no. <laughs> but I thought I thought they'd be they would they would be you know like. Sorry, I was doing my Lugasa Junior from that. Sorry. Are Are you done? <laughs> I thought that they were going to be bringing us to a point where they were going to gain some respect for each other, and it was going to be a very special Blossom episode. Uh, I'm glad they didn't go there. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was it was better that they did it the way they did, and that, you know, it was ultimately it, it, it ended with them having less respect for each other than they came in instead of the other way around. Mm-hmm. Show me on the C-3PO doll where, uh, blah, blah, blah. show me on the doll where Goldicott touched you. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that's what we all think of it. What does Blaine think? What does Blaine say? Blaine say. Blaine say. What does Blaine say? Blaine say. Blaine say. What does Blaine say? What does Blaine? We're supposed to do this bit together. What does Blaine? What does Blaine say? What does Blaine? Blaine say. What does Blaine, what Blaine, does Blaine, say? Blaine say? What does Blaine, Blaine say? say? What does Blaine, Blaine say? say? That was amazing. Good luck stitching that together, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> amazing ad libbing. I always script my ad libs. Yeah. His ad lib lines were well rehearsed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was. I have to picture Bugs Bunny while you're doing that. By the way, <laughs> just massaging uh, Elmer Fudd's head. Well, no, that would be too. What does Blaine say? What does Blaine 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 say? I have that. I have that cell hanging up in my family room. Funny massaging his head. So Blaine Blaine says, "Hi guys, Rene Aubenjois directs again." And the episode will be made or broken on the performances of Brooks and Alemo. It all comes together exactly as it should. Yes. This is a genuinely frightening side to Ducat. They seem to have decided to dehumanize him. We've built some rapport and sympathy for him in the past when we hear about him missing his son's birthday yet again. Now we're seeing the dark side, the racist side, and the side we need to see if he's going to be a prominent villain for the rest of the series. He's legitimately vile here. We see Cisco testing the waters, directing Dukat to check the system that he knows isn't working to find out if Dukat knew or not. We get the impression that Dukat can be very, very dangerous while he's this imbalanced. 
there's definite concern for Cisco here. Although not as much as there should be, we've never lost a main cast member. And unless we do, it's unlikely we're going to really feel like the stakes are as high as they should be. Blaine. <laughs> I understand that reference. Yeah. But I, I you know, yeah, I, there was never a point where I thought he's going to kill Cisco, but I still felt, you know, the, the 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 performance carried the terror of what he was like, not the uh, circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark Alemo's face, I, it was it was like morphing. It was beautiful. It terrifying and beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, that's it for Waltz. What do we have next time? It's spoiler alert. Morn dies! His top customer just hit bottom. I can't believe he's really gone. Now, Quark's about to hit the jackpot. He left everything to you. Me? But everyone wants a piece of the action. It's all ours. Don't try anything. And his fortune is about to change. Turn around. For the worse <laughs> on the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> See you at the services, everybody. Bye, Mom. We won, Mr. Warren. We 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 won. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen to the prophets at Deep Space Nine podcast is a two true freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the 2TrueFreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. I have to mute myself because I need to blow my nose and my son says... I blow my nose like a sad elephant. Okay, please Unless you'd me. like me. <laughs> I need to hear this. Okay, stand by. Ready? <laughs> ben is not wrong. <laughs> sad elephant. Just play the walking man theme behind that. <laughs>